You're listening to the weekly podcast of City Church Orlando, located just off of 1792 at 650 Airport Boulevard in Sanford, Florida. Our website, orlandocitychurch.org. Today, Director of Discipleship, Christina Williams, will continue with our special Wednesday night series called Transforming Values. God is working on each of us for His purpose. We're going over some training for today for leaders practical skills to effectively serve God in our gifts and abilities. Ultimately, for all this, for perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for edifying the body of Christ. Today's message is entitled, Equipping the Saints. We're going to look at shared values in your home, so we can just talk about what shared values are for a minute. Um, let's say the shared values of a home. How, how do you treat each other at home? How are you with yourselves? Who wants to answer? How do you treat each other at home? Respectfully? Christopher? I'm okay. Service? Oh, everybody's giving me all these great religious answers. But what's the truth, guys? (laughs) We ignore people. Take out your frustrations on them sometimes. Yeah. Different things like that. So, okay. Um, sometimes we do good and sometimes we aren't very courteous and kind and, and sometimes when we remember the right thing we are. So we would say then what, what would be, how would we define, maybe define the shared value of how we treat each other at home? Like everybody in your household, you treat each other, okay? So let's say if we had to define it, it might be, uh, very casually. That's our, that's our shared value. We treat each other very casually at home. Or uh, our shared value is at home, we let it all hang out. Or whatever your shared value, maybe your shared value at home is that you're very courteous to each other. Okay, so let's go on to the next slide. All right, so what does your household do with leisure time? What does your household do with leisure time? How many in your household, somebody is definitely on the computer at leisure time? Yeah, okay. How many are watching TV during leisure time? How many are uh, writing notes to people during leisure time? Oh, yeah, Jenna. All right, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, artwork. That's good. Um, so, we have this. So, you might say that your shared value at home for leisure time is um, watching TV. Or uh, maybe it's sports. Maybe you guys go out in the backyard and play, play catch. Maybe it's sports. Maybe that's your shared value in your household. Okay, let's look at another one. How about inviting people over? Do you invite people over? Yes. Yes, and, and do you invite your kids' friends, or do you invite your friends, or who do you invite over? Family. Family. Anybody else? People you work with? Okay. People who, who, are already, who already know the Lord or new believers, uh, unbelievers. So you can say what your shared value among your family is that you, uh, you invite people over for dinner. Do you know that Mother Teresa's family always had people over for dinner? And she kept saying, who are these people? And her mom would say, oh, they're our relatives. Uh, but they, they weren't. But she gained who she was from always being at the table with all of these strangers all the time because her, her mother... Very hospitable. Okay, so, so maybe you have a shared value of hospitality at your home. Okay, uh, let's look at maybe one more, and let's see. Well, how do you treat guests? Okay, when, when guests come over, when people come over, do you turn the TV off and give them your attention? Or do you leave the TV on and, 
and then uh, have every, everything else on, and then they have to kind of just try to get your attention. So what's the shared value in your household for how you treat guests? We don't, what? You treat them better, <laughs> better than each other, probably. Yeah, we, I think we, we all kind of do that. So, so, yeah, treat them, <clears throat> sometimes we don't treat each other with the right kind of manners. Okay, let's, I just wanted to um, give you an idea of what the concept of shared values is. Because in a household, there's, a, there's unspoken rules about what your shared values are. And at our church, the, this whole uh, this, this summer, we're talking about what our shared values are. And uh, let's look at, if you'll go up a couple, yeah, there you perfect. Shared values of our church. These are the ones that we've already talked about. We've already talked about personal transformation. This is a shared value. We all believe this. If we all believe Let's do this kind of the opposite of what we just did. If we all believe in personal transformation, then what would our actions be? Then what, will our, what, were some, might, what might some of our actions be? When we looked at a household, we said, what are our actions? And from that, let's say what our shared value is. Now we're saying, this is our shared value, personal transformation. God changes people's hearts. God changes people's thinking. God rebirths their spirit. Okay, so if that's our value, then what might some of our actions be connected with that value? Evangelism. We, we know that God can do this in people's lives, so we are going to tell them that he, can, that he can do this in their lives. What about when somebody comes to church who is, who is brand new? What, or if they come, somebody comes down to the altar? What, what, even if you don't even know them and you're back in the pews, what might you be do, doing when that's one of our shared values? You might be, you'd be praying for that person because you want to see that personal transformation in those people's lives, right? Okay, so then our other value, another one, passion for worship. Passion for worship. If that's a shared value that we have, then what are some actions that we might do? Pray for the worship team. There you go. That's good. That's really good. We want, you know, we want an anointed worship team who can lead us right into the presence of God, right? Because we're all just kind of skidding in here from our long days, and we probably uh, haven't, haven't spent the, you know, the half hour before we got here praying and, and reading the Bible, and, uh, and, and we just, we need their help, right? <laughs> we need their help, so we should be praying for the worship team. I agree, so that they're anointed. Okay, so what else? What, what else? If, you, if our shared value is passion for worship, then what are you going to be doing even when you're not at church, maybe? Worshiping. Worshiping. Remembering God. Talking to him. Uh, telling him how awesome he is. Singing by yourself where nobody else can hear you like I have to do. So, <laughs> right? All of those kinds of things. Okay, priority of the Word of God, one of our shared values. If, the, if we believe the Word of God is the ultimate, that's it. Everything, nothing besides the Word of God. The Word of God is the final, the final authority. Then what, 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 would, what would be some things that we will do? Study. Study the Word. Share it with people. What about in church? Support JBQ. Support JBQ. That's good. That's good. What about in church? In church itself. If we believe in the priority of the word. Bring your Bible. Yep. Open your Bible. Follow along in your Bible. Read your Bible. Yeah. All of those things. Great. Awesome. 
priority of the family. Pastor preached on the priority of the family. If the family is a priority in our church, then what are some things that we would be seeing? Connection? Connections between families, that's really good. Families staying together and lots of ministry about that. And we have ministry. We, we just got done with six, seven, eight months of marriage classes, right? We're just wanting these marriages to stay together. We have parenting classes on Wednesday nights often. Okay. Oh, that's good. Fall. Volunteering in the nursery. Do we have a do we have a shared priority of the family and and these moms who come to church and they then they want to go to church and hear the word and they have a little child and would we make a sacrifice to work in the nursery one time a month so they can do that? If that's if this is our priority, then that's 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 we got to think about what it is that would we would be doing right. Okay, awesome children's ministry, attention to children, money to children's ministries, youth, yes, totally. Okay, and a passion to share the gospel. Last week, was that awesome last week? You guys, pastor was like, whoa. I mean, I was like two or three feet off the ground here because this is his, that is his thing, right? I mean, passion to share the gospel. If, if this is really one of our shared values, what will we be doing? This is like, what color was Napoleon's white horse? <laughs> Pray for other people. Right. Pray for other people. What else? What else? Tithing. Who said that? Angie. That's right. Why do we tithe? Tithe, it just, everything here is supported by that. If, you know, we are quiet on this sharing the gospel one. For some reason, why is it we won't open our mouths? I don't, I don't know. We just need to start opening them and just telling, telling people what God has done in our lives. And if we don't have anything to say, we need to be spending more time with God. That's, my, that's how I feel about it. Because <laughs> when you spend time with God, you always have something to say about him. Right? Right. So this is, this is a shared value. Okay. So tonight... We are going to be talking about a shared value that I did not make a PowerPoint slide for because I didn't even think about it. Oh, I missed being able to make one. Shoot. Okay. Uh, and, it's, and it is, our shared value is equipping you for ministry. Equipping and the intentional equipping and training of believers for ministry. Okay? The intentional equipping and training of believers for ministry. I did make a slide. Okay, good. All right. Um, it's important that we have the same understanding, the same, uh, that we're on the same page with what, we, what we're doing at our, at our church so that we all, we all can be moving together in unity and knowing, knowing the direction that we're going. Um, I want to read out of Ephesians 4. If you can put up that first scripture of Ephesians 4. And this is, this is really the scripture where we get, a, we get that uh, phrase about equipping the saints for ministry. So, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until... 
reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And if you will go ahead and put up the next slide, I want to read this whole section. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Well, you can definitely uh, meditate on that passage, can't you? There's a, lot, there's a lot in that. The first thing that we learn from it is that God has given us gifts in the form of people. In the form of people. Pastors, teachers, evangelists, prophets, apostles, and frankly, administrators, those who have who in helps, mercy, all the other gifts as well. He's given us gifts and he's given us gifts so that we can be equipped for works of service, equipped for the ministry. So one of the questions is, well, if, if he already has all these people like prophets and apostles and evangelists and all, then, then why, why does he need me? I'm not a prophet, apostle, evangelist, preacher, or teacher. Why, why, does he meet, why, doesn't he just use, why doesn't he just use all those people? Well, the answer is because every believer is to be equipped for works of service, for ministry. And if you've ever come to uh, what used to be called 201 or 301, and if you've ever been to the PATH class, you know that we really emphasize every believer is a minister. Every believer is a minister. Do you know that Jesus said before he went away, he said, it's expedient that I go away because when I go away, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and he is going to be in you and he's going to be with you forever. When Jesus was on earth, he was in one place. But now he sent the Holy Spirit to be all over the earth, residing in all of us. And it's the same thing. There's, there's one pastor in this church. And the one pastor cannot do everything. And it's not, he's not designed to do everything. The God didn't design it that way. God designed you to pray with you. God designed you to visit you. God designed us all to be ministering with each, to each other. That is, that is how he's designed it. He has equipped us for ministry. I want to go back and look at this scripture again just for a minute. And uh, if we look at the first, uh, the first slide, which should be the next slide, yeah. It's, this is a little different. Uh, uh, yeah, there we go. Okay, good. Thank you for interpreting me. Um, okay, so now, God, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of the God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Okay, maturity. I just want to talk about maturity a minute and discipleship. Uh, you know, I'm sure that you've seen people who have ended up with more power than their character should have had. <laughs> and, uh, and then sometimes you see them on the cover of Time magazine or the front page or they're talked about at the water cooler or whatever. And um, 
Maturity is so important in Christ. Uh, and we are to, to have the standard of Christ. You know, a disciple is actually somebody in the, in, in the old times with, when Jesus was around. So you, a lot of times people would pick a rabbi to hang out with and be with, and their, their goal was to be like him, to be like him. It's personal. Discipleship is personal. It's all about relationships, and that's why small groups are so important because in small groups... You know, we can, it's so hard in America. We're all, we are, you know, we live 10, 15 miles from each other and come to this church. And so we don't just get to hang with each other. We don't get to hang around pastor all day long and just be discipled by being with him. But we can be discipled by being in small groups. And you know what? I, I love to hang around those people who are way more mature than I am spiritually. And I would advise you to find somebody that you, you really respect, that you've heard them th- say things, you've watched their life, you've seen them do things, and, and, and just find ways to hang out with them. And even, even talk to them, maybe, and say, I need to spend more time with you. I need, to, I, just need to, I, need, I need the discipleship of hanging around you. I love to be with people who are more mature than I am spiritually. And, you know, we also learn practical skills. And hopefully at the, at the church here, you will learn practical skills. And I'll tell you, I've learned a lot of practical skills that you need for ministry um, by being thrown into things. <laughs> right? <laughs> Is that a, have, any of you, have any of you else learned some practical skills by just saying, like Jennifer, I'm thinking, I said, Jennifer, can you teach a class? And she goes, uh, 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 okay. So um, that's, you know, sometimes that's how God teaches us. He kind of throws us in the pool, and we, we learn practical, practical um, skills. But uh, there's no uh, want of opportunity to learn practical skills for ministry here. Okay, and then the, in the next, uh, the next slide, David, is... Um, Talks, we talk about the next section, which says, We will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching, and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. And the next verse from Second Timothy I'd like to read. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly what? Thoroughly what? For what? Equipped for every good work. Gosh, that sounds a little bit like the scripture we've just been looking at. Hmm. Biblical knowledge. Biblical knowledge. Why would we need biblical knowledge to be equipped for God's work? Hmm. Everyone want to stab at that? Why do we need biblical knowledge to be equipped for God's work? To know his will. That's great. Who said that? Susan, to know his will and his ways. Right, to know his will and his ways. If you didn't read the Bible, I can, I can guarantee you it's not going to be your natural nature that is going to be praying for your enemies. If you didn't read the Bible, it's not going to be what you automatically want to do to take, to take the, the piece of pie you have and give it to the other person instead of you getting it. It's not going to be your nature to give to the, to give to the poor necessarily when you maybe are lacking yourself. That's not going to be in your nature unless you knew that Jesus said, this is what we're to do. And what about engaging the culture? When you engage the culture in conversations at your work, do you need biblical knowledge? Yeah, you need biblical knowledge. You need to know that there's a hell because most of the people in America, I don't, think they think, I don't think they really believe there's a hell. 
I really don't. And if you go to any, almost any funeral, you will, you will get the impression that the people at the funeral just believe somehow that this person is, is, is going to make it into heaven. But, you know, that's not what the Bible says. It's not what the Bible says. And if we go along with that and we just believe that, I'm not talking about confronting people at funerals, please. <laughs> but if we go along with that and we believe it, then we're not, we're not saying, we're not loving the people. Because we're saying it's okay if you are under such a delusion that you believe that and you end up in hell. And it's not okay. And when we read the Bible, we find that out. There are not many paths to God. That's something that's very widespread in our culture. Many ways to, many ways to God. And, one, and, and, and frankly, um, you hear it a lot on Oprah and places like Oprah. <laughs> I love Oprah. I love the stuff she does. But you know what? She says I'm a Christian, and she, she, she believes a lot of things that are not what, the, not what Christians say. You know, uh, John says, you need to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who has come in the flesh. You know, and that's, that is a litmus test. So people just, people, they accept this. I mean, they just accept this. And, and we have to know what the Bible says in order to minister, to be equipped, to be equipped to, to tell the truth in love. Didn't it just say that in, in our scripture? Speaking the truth in love, speaking the truth in love. So, but we have to be equipped. We have to know. We have to know. And I just want to say, you know, we are each, we, yes, there are, you know, we make a lot of things available here. I am like all over discipleship. It's my favorite thing. Um, we, we make classes available. We make, we make, uh, we have the Wednesday night classes that are going to, you know, be starting up again in September. And, but you know what? We are each responsible to tend our own spiritual garden. Each of us is responsible. And I want to encourage you to be in the word. Be a, a person of the word. You know, you can't spend um, an hour and a half listening to talk radio or four hours watching TV at night and, and read three scriptures and think that those scriptures are going to be bigger in your life and have a greater priority than all that other stuff that just went in, right? And so I want to encourage you, uh, just, just challenge yourself to read the Bible in, some, in hunks. Read it in hunks. <laughs> I mean, I would suggest reading at least, read at least a few chapters a day. Just read a few chapters. You know, it, it takes about two to three minutes to read a chapter. And so just sit down, just read a few chapters a day. Do it for, do it for several weeks, and you're going to just find yourself just, just you, you know, your thinking is going to start changing. You're going to be more, you, do you know, can I give you a spiritual principle that I, I don't think a lot of people know? The Bible says that to him who has will more be given. Do you know what that means? That means that as you start doing this, as you start praying more, as you start reading the Bible more, as you start saturating yourself with the Lord more, not only will your desire grow, but more will be given to you from the Lord. As you start having, you're going to get more and more and more, and then it's going to become exponential. And then it's going to be, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay? And it's a spiritual truth. How many of you have experienced that in your life? 
I know we go through seasons. Sometimes we go through seasons when we just, it's just life is so crazy. We just do not have time. I understand. We do not have time to spend as much time. But then there are other seasons when we take the time, we make the time, we have the time. And then, gosh, after a week or two, it's like, wow, I'm just picking things up. I'm just hearing from God better. I'm just, it's just, it's amazing. It's just amazing. That's just how it works. It's, 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 it's like a muscle. Same thing. Okay. Um, and then our next, the last portion of that scripture, I want to read again, and it is, there, there's that speaking the truth in love. I knew that was in there. Speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined together and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part Say, that's me, I'm a part. Does its work. You know, I am just amazed at unity. I'm just amazed at the power of unity. And I have, uh, the, you know, this, just this coming together and being built up as one, each part doing its work. Uh, the unity is so critical. It's so critical in a church. And it's, you know, we're, there's no way that we can all work together and, and create a little transformer like that, or, you know, in the church when there isn't unity. And I, and I just want to tell you, every part working together, unity does not mean uniformity. You've heard that, and it's so true. Unity does not mean that you have to agree with everything that's going on, but unity can mean that you can support things even if you don't agree with them, right? Maybe, maybe there's some activity that's going on in the church that is totally not your thing, you know, you don't, you don't have to tell everybody it's not your thing. You can either not come or you can come and just come for a different reason. Do you know that we don't only have to come to church for ourselves? Everybody go, wow, I could have had a V8. <laughs> Sometimes we come because we, we are ministers, we are ministers, right? We come not for our own reasons, but we come to support somebody else. We come because if, if you were the one up there leading that ministry, you would want people to be there. We come because we love each other. We come because we want to hang out with a friend. There's just a million reasons why we, we can come, and we can all work together as one man, functioning smoothly, each person doing his and her part. You know, unity is a key to transformation. And can I say it another way? Disunity, whoa. <laughs> Disunity will totally derail what God is doing. And, 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 and just, and, and it's just bad news. Let me just say that. And, you know, we have such wonderful unity in our church now. And everybody is on the same page. And we're all moving together. And we are feeling the spirit. I know we're feeling that God is really doing something in our church, and I am just so excited about it because um, I can't wait to see what's going to happen. <laughs> because it's like we're just right on this edge, and it's like we're looking over going, oh, what are we going to do? God, it's go so great, because it's like this, I don't know. Do y'all feel that there's something about to break in the Spirit? Yeah, I think so. Amen. That's right. So... Um, <clears throat> We're talking about equipping the saints. We're talking about you need to have maturity, practical sp skills, discipleship, and um, what was our second one? Who remembers the second thing we talked about? Oh, I guess I should walk out now. Nobody remembers biblical knowledge. 
biblical knowledge. And who's responsible for it? Each one of us, right. Even though there's all sorts of stuff available, and then unity, and unity. But I want to talk to you a little bit now about you and what you can do in your life. What you can do. You know, equipping the saints for ministry. Every believer is a minister. Um, It's so easy to think that all those people that are out there accomplishing things, and even even our wonderful family who's here tonight, that, that they are so different from us. And that, that what, a, and, and God like, you know, like had this big lightning bolt strike and your wall lit up and you knew for sure. I mean, you know, then, and you knew that you would have the power and the strength forever and ever to go do your task. And I mean, I don't know, we think that about people, I think. It's just, I think that's why in James it says, you know, you know, uh, um, James says, Elijah was a man just like us, of like passions with us, and yet he prayed, and it didn't rain for three years, okay? So uh, all these people that we read about and all these people that we hear about, they are just like us. They are just like us, but they um, just do it. <laughs> I think they just do it. They just step out. They hear God. They have faith. They step out. They say, wonderful, in my weakness, you are made strong. Therefore, I am going to rejoice in my weakness that your glory can be shown forth. And so that's the difference between us and them sometimes. And that's the only difference. So I am, I, the longer I live, the more I'm convinced that the only kind of people who really minister in the body of Christ and get anything done is one person. You know how you say, what can one person do? I think one person is the only number that can do anything. I am more and more convinced of that, that it's one. It starts with one. It's one. It's one. It's one. And I want to talk to you about a few ones tonight. I want to talk to you about a few one people. And if you could put up that first, oh, yeah, Bob Pierce, World Vision. This is the guy who started World Vision. And I have his autobiography, I have his biography on tape, and we're going to start listening, Kip and I are going to start listening to it pretty soon. Um, but I don't know too much about this man, except he had a pretty, uh, not, not such a great life, uh, kind of dysfunctional family life. Uh, one of his daughters committed suicide. Um, do, do you mean, you know that you don't have to be perfect? He, this guy started World Vision. He started World Vision. How many of you know what World Vision is? Everybody knows? You know, adopt a child, get a picture sent to you, and you... Oh, oh honestly, he, he's the one who said, Lord, break my heart with what breaks yours. This, this is the man who said that. One man, one man started World Vision. Okay, next slide. John Melinde. This man, this man is from Uganda. And uh, he, he is actually the, the man who started the mission that Joyce is going to be coming, coming to uh, speak, us, speak to us about on um, Sunday. But he was involved in coordinating a prayer network in his whole country and, and going out to all the pastors and creating a huge network of pastors to pray and, and change the country so that the president on, on the day, president of the country, on the Millennium Change Day on 2000, uh, you know, uh, December 31st, or January 1st, 2000, when the Millennium Changed, he, there was a big meeting in, a meeting in their stadium, and the president of their country said, we dedicate this country to Jesus Christ. 
Would you like to see that in America? All right. One person answering the call. He's not the only person who was involved. I don't mean to imply that, but he was a catalyst. And, he's, and as he went to pastor, from pastor to pastor to pastor, one pastor, st- was, was, he told him the whole thing. The Lord, did, the Lord was instructing him to tell the different pastors, and one pastor had nothing to say. And then the next, the, within a next day or two, that pastor sought him out and said, I know what you're saying is right. God told me to do what you're doing, and I didn't do it. So, we all, God, when God speaks to, God speaks to one person. Okay, who else do we have? Gladys Alward. How many of you have heard of her? How many of you have seen the movie The End of the Sixth Happiness with Ingrid Bergman? That's a story about her life. She was a, she was a maid. She was a maid in England around the turn of the century, around 1900. And she really wanted to be a missionary, and she applied at missionary organizations, and they said, no, it's not you. You don't have the quality. You don't have the qualifications. You can't do it. And uh, she just decided, well, no, one, no missionary organization is going to take me. I'm just going to do it. And she got on a train for China. <laughs> Hello. And uh, halfway across Russia, the train broke down. She had to walk. She had to walk to the next station or however, however it worked. She went to China and she started orphanages for Chinese children. And if you, if you want to rent that movie, The End of the Sixth Happiness, of course, it's a Hollywood version, but it'll tell you a little bit about her life. One person by herself <laughs> in, the, in the early 1900s. Okay. Bill Wilson, Metro Ministries. How many of you have read his book or know anything about Bill Wilson? Yeah. He's, uh, when he was about 14, his, uh, his, he didn't have a father. His mother um, s- dropped him off at the side of a road um, near Tampa or St. Pete, I believe, and uh, said, I'll be back, and didn't come back. And about three days later, uh, an Assembly of God pastor stopped after he drove by for three days and saw him, and uh, took him home, sent him to youth camp. Whoa, whoa, youth camp. Woo, youth camp. Woo. All right. <laughs> And uh, he got saved and um, has had a heart for children ever since. He has Metro Ministries in New York City. At over 20,000 kids every Saturday go to church there, Saturday church. They visit every child every week. Every child every week. And also he has ministries now internationally in the Philippines and other places. Okay. Bruce Olson. How many of you read Bruchko? Yep, yep, Bruchko, great book, if you want to get a book and read. This guy, when he was 17 years old, he, he just left his house. His parents didn't agree with it, but he left his house. He went down to Venezuela, and he decided to go, and he wanted to live with the Indians, and he wanted to tell them about Christ. So he didn't know anything about anything. I mean, this was just completely, like... Oh my gosh, off the wall. But anyway, he went down to Venezuela and he ended up walking. He walked into the jungle and went and walked into an Indian tribe. They shot arrows at him and hit him. Um, and uh, he got, he, the Indians kind of kept him in prison for several days and he had these wounds. And uh, finally, one Indian woman um, brought him some toasted grubs on a banana leaf. He decided he better eat them because uh, that's all he was probably going to get. 
And uh, anyway, you can read his story. Um, he's in his 60s now. I, uh, he's probably in his 60s now. I think that's about right. And um, a lot of transformation among the Indians there uh, to know Jesus Christ and, and to um, go to school and become nurses and just amazing, amazing story. Uh, a 17-year-old. Okay. Uh, Crystal Wacker. None of you know Crystal Wacker, I'm sure. <laughs> That's not Crystal. <laughs> she used to work at Metro Ministries uh, with Bill Wilson, and she's working in Fort Lauderdale right now. Um, she's probably about, she's in her 30s, and uh, after working with Metro Ministries for a long time, um, she decided to go to, to change mission fields, and she's at a church in Fort Lauderdale, but the Lord put in her heart to start a magazine for inner city women. And that's the magazine. It's called Reach Up. And she noticed all the needs that inner city women had when she was working there with Metro Ministries. And she said, nobody is talking to them. And so she started this magazine um, for inner city women called Reach Up. and and, And there are articles in it that apply to all the needs and desires and and questions and, and with the information that inner city women need. And it's, it's an awesome thing. And she just did it. One person on her own. She's done this. One person. Okay, who else? Vantrese Russell. How anybody of you been to the Russell home in Orlando? All right. This, this woman over here hugging this, hugging Amy. That looks like Amy. Uh, is Vantrese Russell, and she passed away about um, three or four years ago. And she, uh, in the late, I think in the late 50s, when she was raising her family, somebody with a handicapped child said, Could you, can you watch my child for today? And that's, she said yes, and that's what started. This woman has such a heart of love. And, uh, and so now they have, they just have, uh, they've just taken in kids, child after child, and now the, some of the children they took in are in their 40s, and so they, she, still, she still calls them, they still call them the children, but some of them are even in their 40s now. Um, this little boy over here, Michael, that is being held, it was born with no brain, only a brain stem. The doctor said that he wouldn't this, that, and the other, but with their love, now he is doing things that he hears. They said he shouldn't be able to hear, and just all sorts of things, and the little the boy on top, I can't remember. I think his name is Robbie, but I can't remember. He was a normal child until he was two, and he was in a house fire, and um, and the smoke inhalation affected his brain. Okay, so this woman, her whole her whole life has been having a home for these children, and it's a home of love. They have no, they get no government money, none, no government money. It's all privately funded, and um, and now her children are running it after she's passed away. One person, one person, one person. Oh, oh, look at him. One person who came here from Seattle with his wife. And I would, I would venture to say that your lives are changed because of him. I can tell you that my life has changed because of him. Because I would still be sitting at my house thinking, I have so much in me, what am I going to do with it? which is how I felt for years. <laughs> and he, he, through City Church, I've been able to use the gifts that he's placed within me, and you can as well. 
Thanks for listening to this special Wednesday night message, Equipping the Saints with Director of Discipleship, Christina Williams. For service times and more information about City Church Orlando, please visit our website anytime at orlandocitychurch.org or call 407-321-9600.